Possible, everybody. Welcome to Blockcast. Okay, I think we can start. <laughs> hey, first time, uh, first time. Yeah, that was a lot more energetic than our usual uh, introduction. Oh, really? Yeah, no, you, hey, I usually it's like, yeah. uh, hey man, hey guys, you know, uh, I'm Mark and I'm the founder and CEO yeah. of Blockhead, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, I love it, I love it. Okay, that would be our new opening. That would be... <laughs> but yes, today uh, I'm your host Reggie, aka your chief financial coach, and I will join with Boss Lee, right? So, uh, Boss Lee, wanna introduce yourself quickly before the rest kind of chime in. <laughs> oh, hello, uh, Boss Lee here. So, actually, friends like to call me Boss Lee. I like, always like to talk about uh, crypto stuff, do crypto content, and also thanks for the opportunity to come here to do the show with you oh, guys. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming on board, man. Like, uh, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and we are joined with the regular Mark right, and hey guys, Tim. Uh, I'm Mark and I am the founder and CEO of Blockhead. And this is Tim, uh, managing editor here at Blockhead. Yeah, looking forward to this show with Boss Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Have you all seen his TikTok? Of course. Yeah, you shared course. it with us. Wait, wait, many wait times. Boss Lee, you started with TikTok, right? TikTok is your main thing, right? Yeah, I started with TikTok. Then uh, okay. some YouTube also, because the uh, explainer videos needs to be longer sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I've been trying to do shorts. Uh, it's very tiring to do this kind of very, very short stuff. So yeah. Well, you see, on, on this on this show, like you know, like we try our best to you know explain and provide insights. But what we are really doing here is just you know like venting. <laughs> <laughs> to say to say the things that we think about this week, but you know like you know we we, we don't really can't we can't really say in front of our colleagues. So like you know it just goes live on air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, th- things th- yeah. Yeah, things that we can't write as news. Uh, hey, yeah, I got listen. Right. Eh. I like the part where. Uh, so myself, I don't actually have a uh, like TradeFi experience. La. So I told him like when I was listening, like sometimes you all also give in some TradeFi uh, type of uh, inputs. So it, it kind of blends well with the Web3 la, because uh, it's still very volatile right now, right? Crypto and all this and uh, TradeFi does still plays a part. Yep. I, yeah. I think that, that that's where Reggie's expertise really comes in hand. Uh, you know, like he, he, he's like the discipline master. Tries to read us. Thank you, thank master. you. <laughs> Yes, yes. Yes, but yes. yeah, that definitely Very I think good. that, you know, uh, uh, I, I mean, uh, we, we see these things as, you know, they, they I mean, yes, they're, they're, they're two separate industries, but at the same time, you know, when you talk about, um, especially in the context of this show where we have people tuning in, um, looking for, you know, um, some insights on, you know, personal investments, personal finance, so we, we do need to kind of tie this back to, to, to TradFi. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Otherwise, uh, I mean, like, you know, Crypto was meant to be the what what do you call that the future of finance and escape TradeFi, right? But you see the last weekend TradeFi something happened and crypto also got affected, like the USDC pack. So yeah, this is, provides a good segue into our first story, uh, story one about how crypto is in trouble because of the banking crisis. Um, you know the failures of Silvergate, Silicon Valley Bank, and Signature Bank over the past week. Um, has caused you know many headaches for the industry in the short term. So is this actually a crypto crisis or is it a banking crisis that has now spilled over to crypto? You know, some background. Last week, Silvergate Bank uh, said it'd be winding down operations and 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 uh, liquidating the bank. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank, which is uh, focused on a lot of startups and VCs, also failed to raise enough cash. Uh, basically, it had been investing a large portion of its assets into longer dated treasuries. But then, you know, with the Fed's uh, indication last week that interest rate hike reversal was not going to come anytime soon, um, you know, their longer dated bonds became worth even less. 
And then, you know, uh, Signature Bank also got caught up in all this. I bossy already mentioned about USDC depegging. It went down to like 82 cents, you know, so because Circle had like, you know, 3.3 billion stuck in, in, in Silicon Valley Bank. Anyway, all this uh, happened in, in a span of a couple of days. So I thought it'd be good to discuss if, you know, are we going to see a total um, divorce uh, of crypto and traditional banking? I mean, currently these banks were one of the few on-ramps, you know, that allowed fiat money to flow into, into the crypto industry. Uh, I mean, like, I, I guess how I would also want to characterize this is that I, I see what happened with Silvergate very different from, from SVB. Like, really? Yeah, I think, I think, I think these, these are, you know, like, like, with Silvergate, it was focused on being the banking partner for, like, the crypto industry. And then th- that was their, their only leg to stand on. So, like, whatever happened to FTX got hit really hard, right? With SVB, I have no idea why they kind of, you know, managed to invest 40% of their assets into long-dated treasuries, like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what the rationale was about, you know, at that point, right? So, so I, I think that the reasons for their failures are, are kind of different. SVB is also like a banking partner for like the startup industry in general, as opposed to just crypto. But a lot of startups were also Web3, la. but I mean like, you know, like you have, uh, uh, you know, this affects VCs all over the world, including VCs in Singapore as well. Um, so so I, I think that with what's happened with SVB, like there is potential for a lot more spillover. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, not sure how the rest kind of view this. Okay, so actually, right, in my view, uh, they're all the same. Okay, <laughs> in a sense, uh, my, my view is, is this case, right? So, in the banks are, are very big already, right? So, some of, the, some of the big banks out there, I mean, you don't need me to drop names, you know, those, those banks have consolidated over the century, right? And they've gotten really, really big. And so, as they got really, really big, they don't need to take very high risk to go into other spaces, Right, so whether is it crypto, whether is it like uh, VC money, whether is it you know uh, all these other things, like essentially these are high risk spaces where traditional financial banks don't really want to enter. So then you get a bunch of people that come and say, okay, come, how about let's focus on these guys, right? So it's a it's a value proposition. They provide value for for these guys. They bank the people, and of course. When they do that, over time, they get enough data set to tell them that, okay, these kind of clients can lend money to, these kind of clients can service, what kind of products work for this sector, right? So, so they, they accumulate data over time in the VC space and in the crypto space. I mean, both uh, Silvergate and SVB, right? So then they become the go-to in terms of the service, best in class that they can provide, given the best rates and because of the data that they have at the back. They will adjust their algo to know who is a worthy client, who is not. Right, so essentially that is the the structure that they've been established, you know. So so it's really smaller, more niche banks that are servicing niche clientele. Okay, then um, with this whole saga on like uh, increased interest rates, the fluctuation, cryptocurrencies moving, tech stocks sell down, all this stuff is just really affecting these kind of smaller outfits. Right, where they do, they are not very rigorous in terms of their audience diversification. They 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 don't have a lot of excess liquidity to kind of support them through tough times, you know, which is which is where it is today. So, so to me, right, both situation, you cannot see them separately. They are on the same line, you know, it's, it's all the similar situation as a result of all this fluctuation, as a result of increasing interest rates that cause these guys to essentially go into business troubles and then they get a bank run and then, you know, this this is the current situation. And, and that's how I... I see. I don't know. Does it make sense to you guys? Well, I think I think for sure. I think that you know you, you, that, that that these banks are are. I mean, if 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 you're uh, you know a fairly new entrant into the market, and and it's compared to like you know like your the legacy kind of players, right? You you would want to be you would have to kind of almost have to take these risky bets. You find your corner, yeah. right? In that yeah. sense, but I, I yeah, guess you my, have to find your uh, corner. To, just just to explain my point a bit better earlier on, like what, what I was trying to say here is that with SVB in particular, right, a large. I mean, one of the key reasons for their failure here was, you know, like the investment into long-dated, you know, bonds, right? So, like, 
when the Fed, you know, indicated that you know a, a reversal of the you know interest rate hike was was not going to happen, um, you know these longer dated bonds just became worth less. So I, I'm just very curious as to you know why why they decided to do that lah. I think they did that before the interest you know, rate hike. Yeah, they did. They, they, this this all this happened before this. Yeah, so it was tough for them to uh, unwind their position. Yeah, but uh, now that they decide to unwind their position, it leads to the shortfall of the some losses right, to their banks. Uh, but I agree with you. I actually feel that the, the reason where Supergate feel and the reason that SPV feel is very different. But both cause trouble, but the reason that they feel is like, different. Although I see Reggie's point in that, like, you know, like the, the, the overarching, you know, thing here is that they were both involved in kind of like risky areas, I guess, uh, that, they, that they were kind of like, you know, they, they had no choice but to, to get, I guess, a competitive edge, uh, you know, in relation to the other banks. But yeah. But, but these aren't new banks, you know. I mean, they're not like new players nor small players either. I mean, they, th- these banks have been around since the 80s and, and for Signature Bank, more than 20 years already. I think uh, at least with SVB, I think it, w- it was SVB is like, you know... SVB is the oldest. Yeah, 1983. And, and, and apparently it's like the 16th largest uh, failure in, bank, bank failure in, in, in history. Uh. So they, they, they weren't small players either. So, so just out of like, I mean, just a, a question for everyone here, right? Do you think the Fed should have bailed them out? What, what do you all think? If, if I'm the Fed, I will bail them out. Okay, cool. Yeah, if I'm the Fed, because because my incentive structures are aligned that yep. way, right? If you if you think about it, my incentive structure is to keep it running, and uh, I will build them up. But whether is it a bailout, I think that's a different you know discussion altogether. And I I don't know if it matters whether is it a bailout, moral hazard, all those things. Ah, yeah, you know. But I think more importantly is how the impact has been viewed, you know, in mm-hmm. in the broader crypto space, right? And where has it gone to? And you see that whole DPAC thing. It's like yeah, but how did that work? What what did it really happen? I think when they first started was uh, 0.998 or 0.98. And that time, actually, I kind of feel that I, I, I like what Mark said, uh, this is a place for us to rent. I feel that <laughs> Coinbase kind of rugged me. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Mark, yeah. can you not establish such a premise? <laughs> okay, sorry. But sorry. Okay. Okay. So okay. Let me show you, share with you why. So yeah. I also have position uh, in uh, USDC, right? Because stablecoin, that's where you park when... Anytime you're ready, you can go into the market or when you exit, you store it you know, as USDC. So when the news first came out of the slightly pack, I mean, it's okay. Uh, like uh, They are still redeeming Coinbase, right? At least they were redeeming uh, one for one. But they hot their operation midway because they say that the traditional banks are not working and uh, they are not able to process. Uh, there's no, no point for us to collect now because we are not able to process. We can only wait until Monday. And also, there wasn't much communication from the circle side. Uh, at, at that point of time, when it first started, then I just went to like 0.86 or 0.82, right? Because the moment you cannot redeem, then people start to get panic, right? And you're talking about Coinbase stopping the redemption. And uh, you also have Binance stopping the auto-convert. So previously, you can send USDC into Binance and it will auto-convert to BUSD. It's like one for one, right? They treat your $1. So then you also have the crypto.com stock deposit of USDC. Then it went like all, all hell break loose already because like at that point, there's no way for you to get back your USD right at $1. And uh, some some users might also have the UST uh, PTSD, mm. right? And uh, people start to... <laughs> PTSD. Yeah. So as more people sell USDC for other stables, then you can see the price coming down uh, because it's like, 
at no point holding this uh, USDC. And that's how I see the cascading effect during the weekend. Then of course, when uh, like circle coming up to say like we have 3.3B inside and we are going to fully back uh, when news starts to come out, right? Like Coinbase opening up and say we are ready for Monday, you can start to redeem, then you can see the price coming back up. That, that was how it is. Uh. But I feel that the trust for stable coin is sort of lost, at least for me. Uh. Like, is it truly stable? Right. It's not uh, lah. Can you not tell? Uh, it, I mean, it's, it's not stable coin. It's, it's not, not stable. Coin. Uh, no, it's not yeah. coin. But no. uh, <laughs> if, if it, um, so that day, if you go to like CoinGecko, you see there's no stable coin. There's only one stable coin that's really stable and that was USDT. But USDT has its own uh, backstory. Lah. But all the stable coin, BUSD, USDC, LSD, whatever D that you have, they were all not at $1. They were like 0 0.9, uh, 0 0.96, 0 0.997, no longer $1. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is uh, one of the other points that we wanted to raise, right? About uh, uh, how, how this, um, you know, bank run was basically fueled by uh, social media. Um, oh and, yes, you know, like uh, that, that, like, uh, like the 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 last financial crisis, the you know communications were a lot slower, uh, so you know and, and redemption uh, withdrawals and all these things without like twenty four seven banking, it also took longer to happen. Uh, now you know you, you you hear a rumor, you straight withdraw. It happens instantly. Uh, like the cascading effect is a lot faster these days, and these are risks that banks need to consider as well. Uh, it, it, doesn't seem to be a factor yet, uh, but maybe this uh, is a turning point. I don't know what your thoughts about that. Well, the, here, here's the thing, right? Like if you're in this, if you're currently trading crypto, investing in crypto, you need stable coins. So I, I, I don't know whether there's an alternative here, in my opinion. It's just too important to the ecosystem at the moment. So if something like USDC, you know, DPEX and it fails, right? Like, you know, like USDT, right? That would actually, in my opinion, wreck the industry for years. Uh. Unfortunately, this, you know, like if fiat back stable coins, you know, I, I think it's just really like a, it's a game of trust, <laughs> mm. right? Uh, and in this category of stable coin, you know, it's also subject to bank runs, you know, as history has shown, right? Yeah. So, so you know, the, the idea here that, you know, not your keys, not your coins, right, it applies to, to not only banks, but, but, you know, to these centralized entities that run our stable coins. The same thing here, right? So, like, you know, if you're, you're currently, you currently have your coins on, you know, an exchange, uh, please take them out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I argue different in yeah. the sense that once you let anything flow in the market, then you are subjecting it to market exactly. forces. Uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. So once you, once you, it doesn't matter whether is it crypto market, whether is it stock market, mm -hmm. banking, whatever, right? Once you let, once you let something flow in the market, then you are subjecting it to market forces, right? So, so this is, and, and it's not supermarket, nah, just saying it's like, you know, like uh, the, the, the financial markets, right? So it is what it is, right? It's not, it's not just about like, or oh, whether is it like TradFi affecting DeFi or, or, or affecting Web3 or affecting crypto, but it's really once you let anything float and then everybody can participate in it, you know, you let market price discovery happen, then inherently there's movement right it's, it's not just about like oh the, the external bank run comes in effect. i mean in this case you can argue that i think there's i think there's that but the fundamentals don't change right if you continue to let a market exist in in crypto you, you know what i'm saying yeah 100 percent agree yeah but and, and to your point about not your keys not your coin right yeah so even if you have if you have stables uh off exchanges or whatever it would still go to nothing if the infrastructure backing it is not complete lah. oh yeah yeah, yeah of course 
course. So course. what you've basically advocated for is Bitcoin. Uh. Bitcoin's the only way. That's our next uh, topic of discussion, I guess. Oh, but, but yeah. this is an awesome segue, Tim. <laughs> Look, I, I guess the next story actually really doesn't need much of an introduction. I'm, I'm sure if you're following the market, you've seen like, you know, Bitcoin has been pumping for a while already. So Bitcoin and the rest of the, you know, the, of the cryptocurrency market, you know, experiencing a double digit rally. This might be the first time uh, that Bitcoin is rallying in a risk off environment, right? So the question that we have here is that, you know, perhaps, you know, it's, it's in this moment, right? With the, you know, the failure of like banks, right? It's this moment that Bitcoin was, was really built for. I don't know how, what, what do you all think, right? Because the whole idea, I mean, just, just to kind of uh, contextualize this for our audience a bit better, right? And the whole idea behind Bitcoin was that it was supposed to be an asset class that was out of the traditional finance banking system, right? So, so that, that's why, you know, like a few years ago, the on-trend thing to say, the narrative at that point was that it was a hedge against inflation. You know, and now you see like uh, the failure of banks and then, you know, people are looking at, okay, maybe Bitcoin, since it's out of the banking system, is safer than like whatever's happened you know, with, you know, the stable coins and your traditional banks. How do you guys feel about it? Mm, I, I just want to remind everybody that Bitcoin is a protest. <laughs> that's, how, that's, that's the basis of how it started. It's a protest. Uh, it's a protest against how traditional financial markets are, are done, you know, and it's not an asset, no nothing. All this narrative of like inflation hedge always has been built over time. Uh, which is why I, I, I did say it was a narrative, run. okay? I, I didn't say yes, it was yes. fact. Which is why I love it. <laughs> I did say it was I a narrative. I love it. Love okay. that idea. Love that idea. Yes. Bossly, you got something to say? Uh, yeah, so crypto is largely moved by narrative. Uh. But I just want to give a different point of view regards to the uh, recent pump. Right, so like uh, BTC crossed the twenty five thousand and uh, and all, uh, could it be also that a lot of the narrative that the Fed is going to pivot, right? They are going to start printing, and when they're going to start printing, it's a good thing for asset class, mm. and uh, people just jump in first, lah. Because if I get in now and they truly start printing, right, I am well positioned, I'm ready. It doesn't necessarily needs to be oh because the banks are failing then I'm going to Bitcoin because I trust it, right? Although I'm uh, very into crypto and I uh, am positive about the crypto growth, I'm just saying at this point of time, there's another narrative is that, hey, why not I position myself because they might start to pivot, right? They might not raise interest rate anymore. They might start to print. And if they start to print, asset class is going to go up higher. So I position myself in uh, BTC first. And this is another... Uh, top process. Uh. I definitely agree with you. Um, but but I, I guess it's also in combination with what you also said earlier that a loss in confidence in stables. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people yeah. who had money parked in stable coins realized, you know, uh, actually this is not as riskless as I thought. Um, and, you know, Bitcoin is the only thing that the crypto space has got going, at least right now. And to your recent point, the rise in value of Bitcoin coincides with the volume of quantitative easing uh, over the past years. Uh, when it prints more, the, the price of Bitcoin just goes up. Uh, that's just how, how it's been. So that looks to be the case for now. I do actually have a, you know, like I think an important point to make here. You know, I think that no matter how you view Bitcoin, the world wants something like this. Right. So like whether right now for the moment, right, the world needs something that, you know, like to invest in that's outside of like, you know, like the, fine, the traditional finance kind of like systems. Right. So for now, it is Bitcoin. Right. And so, so until something kind of better comes along. But now for now, it's Bitcoin. And so whether this is going to last or not, I mean, like, I'm not sure. Right. But this is essentially what is being played out. So when we look at, say, like, you know, if it's a protest against something, that protest usually comes from a fundamental desire for change. It's and true. that fundamental desire here, people are kind of tired of like since the 08 crisis. Right. And then capitalism hasn't ex exactly been it, it's not 
the perfect system, but I mean, no, I think it's better than the rest of the other systems that we actually have. I will argue otherwise, but anyway, please continue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> please continue. Yeah, yes, but, yes. Okay, so yeah, that, that, that was my point. Um, I think that the world wants something like this, something like Bitcoin. And with this whole capitalism thing, you know, like, uh, yeah, make money, everyone's a capitalist, then got problem money, everyone becomes socialist. It's like, you, you know how it is. Uh, no, no, bro, I'm a... I'm more socialist at heart than capitalist, but we can talk about that okay, another sure, time. Okay, sure. that's not uh, that's not a real show. <laughs> we should set a whole new show, you know, called What's Cooking, right? And then we can talk about it. Okay, just for just for curiosity's sake, right? Is there a place where I can see flows for Bitcoin? Like, where is money coming in from? Because supposedly it is on the ledger. Supposedly I should be able to know where is money coming in from, right? Like, how, who is pumping it up? Is there, is there like a software that is already kind of, or like a website that I can see, like where the flow's coming in from? Because the pump has to come from somewhere. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like you, there is, you know, on-chain analytics services, like, you know, you have like your chain analysis, for example, which is very, it's like, like one of the key ones that most, you know, traders use. Uh, well, rather a lot of traders use it, I think. I don't want to, I don't want to be mentioning, I guess, like brands and names here, but I mean, like, this is the one that's, that's prominent. Mm. It's okay, they should sponsor uh, us first, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so there are on-chain analytics services that are out there, uh, and some of them are really like, you know, just plug and play. There is a subscription that you would have to pay for this, but uh, you can see the flows. I think chain analysis is, is a lot about um, fraud and risk. Uh, Nansen looks at like crypto and DeFi uh, flows a bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of dashboards that you guys can use and to help with your, your, your trading or just to make sense of what's going on. Uh, Dune is a big one. Uh, they have a dashboard that you can add in various plugins and components uh, based on, 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 on your interest areas. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I, I, I want to know the overall market cap, right? Which I think I think we can see, right? It's, it's not difficult Oh, that one you just look oh, at. The, 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 yeah, that, that's everywhere, right? But the granular, the granular data of where money coming in is, is, is the interesting part because I do have a different narrative of the USD collapse, right? In, in, and I think, I think that will be quite a strong factor that can come you know, uh, as things move along, mm. right? So as a, as a, as USD continue to struggle to stay in existence, uh, you know, with like Saudi, Iran, blah blah blah, all these other things that, that keep coming on, there may be a bunch of money that's looking to go. Singapore stablecoin guys. No, but it doesn't look like it's the case now because the overall cap has not grown. In other words, it's really more like shuffling within the space itself. Mm. You know, rather rather than like okay, more and more like people coming in, and I would say I would say if crypto really wants to stand on itself, right, then it must stop referencing the fiat. Mm. It must stop. The, the value of the Bitcoin must be the Bitcoin itself. Mm. You know, or like ether must stand on its own. It cannot be like oh, this ether is worth two thousand dollars, right? So so it, essentially, it must flow on its own, and you know, depack in that sense, right? But there's a whole different uh, level altogether. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, anybody else got anything to add for Bitcoin? Time to shine. Well, I mean, it's the only thing that I actually really have in my, I mean, aside from Ether. La. <laughs> in my bag at the moment. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. So I will lead to a third story, okay? So the third story here goes, Meta moves further away from Metaverse. I don't know who came up with this story. I will fire the producer. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so Meta has announced another job of 10,000 employees uh, cut, right? So it's pretty crazy following its 11,000 person layoff last year. So essentially, there's a lot more layoffs lah, that's been ongoing. And um, it does say that Instagram rolled out NFT features to over 100 countries in 2022. Doesn't look like it's really, you know, fruiting anything. And to be very specific on Meta, actually... Um, 
yeah, Reality Labs, which is the metaverse arm of Meta, uh, reported a, a loss of $13.7 billion in 2022, right? <laughs> and it's a continued increase in, in losses, right? And in quarter four alone, the loss was $4.3 billion, uh, which is not out of the realm of understanding because you're essentially burning into a new space. But I think the burn has gotten to Mark, uh, not this Mark, the other Mark. And um, yeah, it's uh, essentially they are pausing it. Lah, right? So they are, they are pausing the... The thing I, mean, this, I think Mark Zuckerberg has come out to say that this was his year of efficiency, right? This is, yeah. Anyway, go on, sorry. Reggie, Rubbish, I, I, changing I, 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 I interrupted. Anyway. Sorry. Essentially, he gave up. Yeah. No, 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 you should, you should. Essentially, he gave up. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> because he said, correct now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so much burn. He, he cannot take the political pressure. His share price are coming down. You know, uh, it stayed down for, I mean, there's a little bit of a pump, but you know, it's it's the idea is, if you are entering a new space, then you're going to be putting money in. And if you cannot continue, then then you pull out, then you call it a loss, lah, right? So not not what efficiency rubbish, but anyway, yes. You know, the thing about it is this, right? Uh, and, I, and I mentioned this in a, a several podcasts ago. I think we have talked about Meta before. Look, Google, for example, right? They experiment with like new projects and new business units, you know, all the time, right? And when something bad happens, they just take it, you know, like behind the barn and then they shoot it in the head. And then no one ever hears about it again. You know, you don't change the, the company name. <laughs> you know, so that, that, that is actually like, you know, like, wow, uh, I'm playing poker and I might not all in. I see whether we hit or not. You know, like, I just think it's out. Uh, the optics look very bad like, from this. Because, you know, if, if they didn't rename the company to Meta, and it was still Facebook, right? And this was just, you know, Reality Labs or Metaverse. Uh, they, they had, like, you know, like a foray into the Metaverse. This didn't work out, right? They just kill it, right? Like, you know, I, I don't think it would seem that bad at the moment. But having said that, uh, the broader context here is that, you know, this came on the back of that whole issue around using consumer data, the privacy laws, you know, uh, uh, with Facebook. Uh, that was the theme. Yeah, I think in 2017-2018, if I'm not wrong. So they really desperately needed something to help kind of they need something change else. the narrative yes. for they the company. Something else. Right? So they, 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 they threw yeah. all their eggs in this basket and then now like they're paying the price for it, in my opinion. So this is what really ha- has happened. Lah. Yeah. In other words, I think you can grade the management C, Ooh. right? And it's not very... And I mean, to be, to be clear, um, you know, they're engagement on their platforms are dwindling also you know or at least not not growing like how how they used to grow everybody's on tiktok these days right but how how is this okay let's say i think the idea here is this this big guy that is not traditionally part of web3 they may have bought oculus in the early days but now they are making a big pool out of the whole space right in other words you know um saying that we're going to fire more people um in other words saying that we're not going to invest as much how is this going to affect the broader Web3 space or is it like just so siloed again it doesn't matter the spillover doesn't exist anybody has any thoughts? Uh, I, mean, I mean like you know if, if, a, if a Web2 giant as big as Facebook can't pivot into Web3 you know then, then, then what more for all the other Web2 companies trying to make the leap I've always felt like business prospects for Metaverse has you know has always been questionable uh, even more so when there's a lack of strategy, uh, and I haven't seen any companies with like a proper Web three or Metaverse strategy. Maybe it just it just shows that there is, um, you know, nothing behind it. Yeah, but that's just my view. Bossly, any thoughts? How is it gonna affect the Web three business, or how is Web three developing in that sense? I don't know why this news is so big because uh, maybe Meta put a lot of investment into this uh, Web three space la. Because before this, like on March first. Visa and Mastercard also paused their crypto push also. But there wasn't, 
it's not like a big hoo-ha. They are also very big companies uh, trying to move into the space, right? But uh, after seeing like, you know, the bear market and all this, they also slow down and pause their crypto push. Uh, right now, Meta is doing what typically a listed company will do, right? If this space is not doing well, should I really jump in? Now, in the sense for Web3, for myself as a user, I don't really feel affected by them. I cannot say for the broader space, but I feel that the builders are just going to continue to build. Uh, but for sure, new users coming on board will definitely be less. Like for example, if IG continue to push the NFT forward right, using the Polygon chain, then suddenly you will have a lot of people uh, using IG that is able to mint their pictures and sell their pictures. So that contributes to the new users coming on board to the crypto Web3 space. right? But with that hot, that means uh, new users coming in will definitely be less. Same for Visa, Mastercard that pause their crypto push. So it, it will take time, uh, but that's a good thing. It also means that I am early and when it's early, uh, there are opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I still, I still serious about selling my profile pic as an NFT. Like, if you want to buy, you can, you know, DM, DM us. I mean, I mean, like, it's a great point. <laughs> great point, uh, Boss Lee. I think one of the things why we don't really make a big hoo ha out of, like, say, you know, Visa putting a pause on this, right? Because it is not fundamental to their entire identity. Facebook changed their identity from the inside and out, right, to focus on this, and so now it just reeks of desperation. And then coupled with the fact that. Uh, I mean, to be honest, if you guys aren't kind of content creators and you're not in the media industry, right? Like, how much time would you all actually be spending on Facebook? That is true. Right? And, and, that is and, true. And, and, and so, so there is that real problem there that I think that they are really losing market share on their main business here. So at least in Singapore, I mean, in, in other parts of the region, uh, Facebook is still quite strong. Uh, I mean, if you, go, if you look at Indonesia, Philippines, you know, um, Facebook is still, is still quite a dominant platform over there. But... Uh, certainly not Singapore. Like they're really losing market share here. So I think that's the reason why I feel like it is uh, a bigger deal for them than a, as opposed to the other players. Uh, with regards to what this means for the Web3 industry, right? I don't necessarily think it's actually a bad thing because it, it could really just be, you know, the issues with this particular platform, you know, with Facebook itself. If you think about the user behavior, say on, you know, Instagram or Facebook, right? Like how many of us actually really care whether we, we own the content or not? I mean, like the contract that most of us, you know, the social contract that we, see, that we sign up for here is that we use these platforms to communicate with like update our friends, you know, like share pictures, etc. right? I don't care whether I own the IP or not. Even for the content creators, you know, they, as long as you get to kind of charge sponsors to kind of like, you know, make money through your channels, right? It, it's fine. I, I don't need to own the rights to that. So that whole Web3 conversation about privacy and then ownership, right? It might not actually really apply to a platform like Facebook or even social media where the social contract here is that like we are totally fine with just having a license to use the platform and we don't need to be able to own any of the content. Maybe it might be more applicable to other aspects, right? To other things. So for example, like a, a stock photo kind of service like Shutterstock. For example, you know, where... Oh, yeah, important. Uh, they, they live off... Yeah, it. where, like, copyright, you know, like, making royalties off, like, you know, your content is actually fundamentally, like, the core purpose that these platforms serve. Whereas for social media, it's not a priority for most people. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. You know, you know what we need? We need Xiao Hongshu, okay? Everybody download <laughs> Xiao Hongshu today. Okay. <laughs> we need to do a, do a hard pivot. Yeah, yeah. I like what you just said, Mark, but I want to ask, like, so what constitutes Web3 again? Right? Because it's getting very messy, right? Like, like yeah. there are all these different platforms that look similar, but what's the real identity behind? Like, what's the difference between Web2 or Web3, right? Like, in, in that sense, like... In my opinion, right? The blockchain or, like, you know, like, putting things on the blockchain uh, and, like, you know, where, when it becomes decentralized, right, it implies that you have a greater stake in the ownership rights 
uh, of whatever it is, you know, whatever like, you know, like you kind of create, it could be content, it could be personal data versus, you know, like a Web2 situation where it is a corporation that owns that, right? So to me, that, that is actually a really core part of this Web3 push. Yeah, Bosley, what do you think? What's the difference between Web2 and Web3? I cannot differentiate. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so I just wanted to share that uh, to me, Web3 is just a term to onboard new people coming into the crypto space. To me, it, it has always been crypto. Web3 is a term so that uh, maybe you are a startup, you, you know, it looks good, you sound great, and I'm going to Web3 space, can you please give me some funding and all, you know, all the keywords. I have this AI with uh, machine learning capability and all. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh no, the, 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 AI, the AI machine learning one is going to come. So you're going to have, so you're going to see a thousand more companies with like AI on it uh, in, within the next couple of months. Everyone will say they are able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but to me, yeah. Web3 and crypto is the same. It's all about like what you mentioned, right? Ownership, right? Uh, be it content, be it tokens, uh, yeah. or anything. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. that's removal of uh, so-called the middleman and all. Yeah. To me, it's the same. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That, 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 Web that's the theme. The, the theme, yeah. And then the question here is that, like, you know, like our, our traditional, like, you know, like just the services that we know already providing this, and like, you know, is it already as efficient already? I, I just don't think it applies to social media, like, in my opinion. I think that that's what is what this is actually really telling us. You know, uh, uh, I just don't you, think this. You can see some real examples like crypto works very well at least uh, in the decentralized finance space, right? DeFi, they call it DeFi. Whether is it truly working very well, we, we cannot say that it's still early, but there are adoptions to it. But in the social media space, you can see when uh, Twitter, after Elon bought over Twitter and there were a lot of noise about it, then people tried to move out, right? To those decentralized uh, Twitter platform. Not a lot of people go over, that's number one. And uh, the take-up rate was pretty low, so the adoption rate. There's another company, mm. I'm not sure if you all know. I think it's Aave. They also built a, a protocol called Lens Protocol. Then uh, Lens Protocol is a base layer that you can build social media on top of it. And there's something called uh, Lenster. So it's like a Reddit with Twitter. Wow, that, sound, that sounds cool, the, man. Gotta have to check it out. That's, that sounds like Friendster, bro. It's not that... I'm not sure if that cool, <laughs> but anyway, yes, please. <laughs> but the adoption rate is also very low. Uh, but, but why are people getting onto it is because uh, getting onto Lenster, you can get your Lens ID and uh, after you can get your custom Lens ID, you can sell it on OpenSea, right? So mm. people are getting onto it. But are the content creation on top active? I myself don't use it regularly also. Yeah. I still get it from the mainstream media. Do, do you all really need to own your tweets? No, I don't. Eh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is the fundamental thing, right? Like Twitter, you know, like I don't need to own my tweets. What? But maybe that's just, that's just me, lah, you know? Yeah. 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 Cool. Interesting. I mean, to be clear, even if any company enters like the crypto space or Web3 or whatever, and if they, if they decide to practice social media, they are still bound by the parameters and expectation of a social media platform, right? In the sense that you must have network effect, you must have a lot of people that want to use, then, you know, advertisers will come in, content creators will double down. The system does not change, even if, let's say, you own, right? So it's, it's the monetization and the ownership that is a bit more complicated. And does it then change the incentive structure to create? Uh, that would be a season, uh, uh, a podcast season. Last complex, point for me uh, on, that, on that topic, right? Uh, yes. I, I think that the jury is still out on gaming. I know I have said a lot of bad things about GameFi, but like I think that it's still not an open and shut case, you know? A closed case about whether that, that Web3 could work in games, yeah. Great, great stuff today, right? Uh, a lot of texture, lovely. So, uh, hey, but, but, but... 
boss Lee. Hi. Mark, do you feel weird that you're no longer the boss? Huh? No, there's a boss Lee. Yeah. There's a boss Lee in the I'm room. sorry. <laughs> Should I call you like boss Mark? <laughs> no, no, please don't, please don't. Please do not do that. Okay. <laughs> I also read Rice Media. Lots of respect for you to do all oh, those Oh, thanks, uh, thanks. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, or should I call you like boss Mark? Or no, no, don't need, don't need. <laughs> you, can call, you can call him boss, boss, boss. He's the boss above all the bosses, right? Boss, boss. CEO Mark. Right, right, right. Next interview we do on uh, either Blockhead or Rice Media will be Boss Lee. Uh, that, that's the... Uh, yeah, 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 that's lit. Okay, nice, nice, nice. Okay, guys, I, ho- I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you have any questions, come to our Telegram group, go on our Reddit. Uh, yeah, if we have Reddit, guys, now we need to like kind of work on how to make the Reddit work. But anyway, we have uh, our Telegram has open topic on crypto. Please go there and ask your questions. We clearly answer your questions because when you ask, we will reply. So go there. And yeah, for all the latest articles that's out there, check out blockhead.co. And I was about to say IO because every fucking Web3 company is a IO. But anyway, anyway, okay. And the things are changing. Okay. So yeah, we'll see you all next week. Take care, guys. Okay, bye. See you all. Okay, bye. Hey Coconuts, so yes, uh, I hope you enjoy this new show that we're building together with the team at Blockhead and uh, the goal is very clear, right? We're not here to shield any token or be a cheerleader for any project but we feel that there's a lot of development that's going on in this space that we could cover and continue to be a little bit smarter um, as investors. I mean, eventually you tune in every week to a financial podcast network so that you can be smarter with your investments and if it so happened, this is something that you're looking at, the crypto space, Web3, Metaverse, all these kind of stuff then that is where we're trying to cover but not from the angle of like this is good that is bad but really trying to see it from like what is happening how is it developing and I hope you find this useful and interesting right so if you want to continue to get more coverage around the crypto space check out blockhead.co and then we will see you next week